Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website www.exchangechurch.org.au Thanks so much, Esther, for reading God's Word to us. Uh, we love to hear God's Word read here at Exchange, and that's exactly what we're going to come to now. Another important part of our services that we do have, uh, which is to open up God's Word and to hear it uh, spoken about, explained and applied to our lives. Uh, we worship God through seeing His Word come into our hearts and into our lives to change us and to transform us into the people that Jesus uh, wants us to be. We've been in the book of Colossians. Uh, for a few months now, just going there through that by chapter by chapter and passage by passage. Uh, this week we're into Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 and 17, and maybe just to get our heads in the right space here as we think about that. Uh, tell me this, uh, what happens when you join a sporting team these days? Normally this is what takes place, you take on the team's goal and their vision and their dreams to win a premiership or to win the grand final or whatever it might be. You actually take on the whole uh, personality of the team to some extent. But you also put on a team uniform in this day and age if you join a team. Something that identifies you with the team, whether it could be a hat, could be a jumper, could be a singlet, could be whatever. There's a uniform you put on as it were and that identifies you with that team. <clears throat> in a sense... That's what Paul is telling us today here in this passage in Colossians. He wants us to, as it were, put on like clothes or a uniform the character of Christ, the character traits of Christ. He wants us to put this character on, as it were, as a life that will identify ourselves with Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. So if you've got your Bibles there, please go with me uh, to Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to start reading from uh, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, Lord, thank you so much that we can gather this morning here online. Uh, Lord, it's a privilege to be able to come into people's lounge rooms and to open up your word now for them. So I ask and pray, Holy Spirit, please, please help us now. Please help me now. Please help me to faithfully talk about this passage. Lord, we want to put on the character of Christ. We want to put on the new life that Jesus has called us to. So we pray in our Holy Spirit, Open up our eyes to hear this. Open up our ears to hear this and let change and transformation take place that we would live out the character and the life of Christ. Lord, we ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today's talk follows on like a hand in glove from two weeks ago where we were talk talking about Paul then as he called us into this new life in Christ. Firstly, it was to put to death 
the fleshly or the earthly or the sinful corrupted deeds of our earthly nature. It was the negative aspect of the gospel where Paul was talking about somewhat baptism there, where we go into the waters of baptism, we die, as it were, die to our old life, putting to death those evil desires, but we raise up out of the water and we rise to new life, the, <coughs> the new life that Paul, that Jesus, sorry, has called us to. So Paul, as it were, in this passage, flips it around from verses 12 to 17 to this positive aspect of the gospel, which is to put on the new life that Jesus has called us to. It's a bit like taking off our old, dirty, corrupted clothes of the old life and put on a brand new set of clothes now as we live for Jesus in this new life. This is what the gospel is all about. It's about transformation. Jesus saves us and he transforms us as well. Jesus doesn't leave us stuck in our old life. He brings us into a new life. He doesn't leave us like a record, a broken record stuck in that groove, you know, click, click, and we just can't get out of it. No, Jesus lifts us up into a new life. He moves us on. Paul's writing to the Colossians here to help establish them in Christ, to grow them in the gospel. Epaphras, their faithful pastor at Colossae, has been sharing the gospel with them. So Paul's now writing a letter to help Epaphras to establish and grow these people, these believers in the gospel. Look in Colossians 1.28 and Paul tells us what his aim is right from the start. He says there that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's what Paul wants to do. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. That's what Jesus wants us to do is to grow in him. Here's our big idea for today as we think about this then. As we grow the word of Christ deep in our hearts, we'll be empowered to live out the character of Christ with thankful hearts. Let me say that again. As we grow the word of Christ deep in our hearts, we'll be empowered to live out the character of Christ with thankful hearts. And this in turn helps us to produce a community of people who experience the blessing of God in love and in peace. Firstly, though, let's get the foundations right, because Paul does build a strong foundation here for the Colossians in grace for this new life. Look at how he starts it here in verse 12. What's he say there? Put on then. Stop. Hold that there. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Can you see what Paul's doing here as he writes this? This word as, put on then as is present tense, as you are right now, who you are right now. Colossians, this is who you are. You're not trying to become this. God already sees you as this, present tense. How does God see the Colossians? And how does God see all people who are in Christ today? He sees them in three ways here, as Paul writes for us. The first word he uses there, chosen ones. God has freely chosen us for salvation, not because of anything we have done, not at all, but simply out of God's free sovereign love, he calls us to salvation. He calls us from death to life. God freely sets his love upon us. Colossians, for all those who are in Christ, you are God's chosen ones. What a blessing. What a glorious blessing. That's who you are. Second word he uses there is holy. God sees us as holy already in Christ. 
we are clean and pure in Christ right now. God has set us apart from all of our sin when he placed that upon Jesus at the cross and Jesus paid the full penalty of our sin. So all of our sin, past, present and future is all dealt with through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He accepts us in Christ as holy people. The third word he uses there is this, beloved. We are God's beloved. We are the apple of God's eye. God loves us as his beloved more, more than a father or mother love their newborn baby. Now, I, along with my wife, have had four newborn children and I love them to bits. God loves me more than that. God loves us more than a bride and a groom love each other on their wedding day. I've been married for more than 30 years to Laurel. God loves me more than I love her, even on our wedding day, and that sense of excitement then. We are more loved than we could ever imagine by God. Now, this is really critically important for us to get today as we put on this new life. We don't do this. We don't put on this new life to get salvation from the Lord, to be saved by God. We're not doing it to earn anything there. We've already received this through the finished work of Christ. Paul says this is who you are as you are loved by God. We put on this new life that Paul's going to call us to today from the foundation of our salvation. We put on this new life today as an act of worship and thanksgiving for what God has already done for us, being saved by Christ in him. Got to get the foundation right. And Paul works it from grace, what God has already done. But now he lays out for a disciple of Jesus how they live this new life. This is the life that he or she now strives to walk out or to live out. If Jesus is living in us, now let's let him live out through us. If Jesus is living in us, now let's let him live out through us, is what Paul is saying. Look at verse 12 again. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. It's a few things he calls it. One, two, three, five things. Glorious things. Compassionate hearts. We are to live out lives of empathy in this new life and care for others. As followers of Jesus, we put others and their needs ahead of ourselves. That sort of turns this world upside down in many respects, doesn't it? We often like to think about us first and then others. Now, the compassion that God has shown us in Christ is that Jesus put us ahead of himself on the cross. He glorified God by taking our sin upon himself, showing compassion to us. So what do we do? We empathize with others, we put their needs ahead of ourselves, and we are moved to care for them. Kindness. Kindness is a character trait of a transformed heart in Christ. We don't live in spite and in bitterness in this new life that Jesus has called us to. Jesus calls all believers now in him to live in thoughtfulness, to think of others. How can I bless somebody today with a kind act? I don't know, maybe you've got a disruptive neighbour who lives nearby, maybe an argumentative neighbour. Hey, why don't you think about doing this? Bake them a cake. Take it over to them, just as a random act of kindness. That's the new life that God has called us to. Humility. People who've discovered Jesus now choose to live in humility. 
I don't have to be first everywhere. I don't need to be noticed wherever I go. I'm not doing something just to gain the praise of others. That's not how I am now. In humility, I choose to raise others ahead of me. That's what humility does. Meekness. As we live out a new life in Christ, we choose to live submissively with others. We submit ourselves to others. It's not about always getting my way all the time. In Christ, I can willingly submit to others with gladness. I'm not striving against them. I'm with them and I'm able to submit with them. Patience. People who call Jesus their Lord and Saviour are patient people. We don't need to get anxious or aggravated about how the circumstances of life are moving so slowly. I know sometimes they can be aggravating. Sometimes you're stuck in traffic of all things. That just seems to push our aggravation buttons. But Jesus calls us to be patient. He empowers us to be patient, to wait quietly. In verse 13, Paul calls us to another level here with our Christian living as well, putting on this new life of Christ. He says that we are to bear with each other in verse 13. In a community of different people, there'll be a whole lot of things from these various backgrounds, from various people that'll push our buttons at times. They'll just rub us up the wrong way. There'll be certain things that people will do that will, that will be tempted to lose our cool or lose our self-control. It just will aggravate us a little bit. The gospel enables us to get these little things in the right perspective, to see what they really are. They're nothing. And to live with these differences. Perhaps sometimes even at our gathered services, you might look across at somebody and it could aggravate you because someone is so expressive with their worship. They may be clapping their hands or they may be raising their hands or they may be jumping for joy. There's nothing wrong with that. That's totally okay. We all love Jesus together, just expressing it in a different way. I'm not going to let it aggravate me. I'm going to be encouraged by that. We bear with each other. Also in verse 13, Paul tells us to forgive each other. Maybe we didn't bear with each other and we let it get into an, a, a grievance between us. Paul says, forgive. Now, this is probably one of the most powerful things about a gospel-focused life. The power to forgive others and hold no grudges against it. This is really evidence of strong power, the power of the gospel. As we see what Jesus has forgiven us for, who are we, or how can we possibly think of holding back our forgiveness towards someone else for what they may have done for us? When we see how Jesus has so gloriously forgiven us, how can we possibly think about holding back forgiveness towards someone else? The gospel gives us power to forgive, to put this on as the life of Christ now being lived out through us. In verse 14, again, Paul, as it were, uh, grabs this outer coat of love, like this thing you wrap all of those character traits together in one thing. It's like the overcoat, as it were, that binds everything together for our gospel-centered life. Love. As followers of Jesus with a transformed heart, the virtue of love should be visibly present in our lives. It should be the underlying principle and foundation of everything we do. As Christ's love has filled our heart... It should now naturally want to flow out of our lives towards others. So that all those things of compassionate hearts and meekness and patience and kindness, all those things should be done in love. 
in love. And Paul follows this up again in verse 15 here as with the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts. The Colossians are no different from us here today in uh, the world. They're a community of diverse people from different backgrounds, various ages and stages of life. And each one who comes to the community brings their faults and their flaws with them as they come. Paul says, let the gospel grow peace in your heart. Let the gospel have a ruling principle of peace in your heart. Endeavor to live with peace with everyone. Lay aside your differences and seek peace. Paul is saying, let the peace of Christ work with you in every aspect. Whenever you come to an aspect and you can sense tension there, work for peace. Let the peace of Christ work in that situation, not for tension, but for peace. You see, these are the new clothes or the new character trait here that Jesus empowers us to and calls us now to put on or live out in this new life he's given us. This is gospel transformation. The gospel says, the gospel transforms. This is the new life we are now empowered to live. Now, Paul knows a lot of stuff and he knows this. He knows his own weakness in life and he also knows our weaknesses as well. He knows we need strength and power for this. He knows we need strength to live out this gospel focus and spirit filled life. It would be foolish of us, absolutely foolish of us, to think we could go from day to day trying to live this life that Jesus has called us to and trying to accomplish this life in our own strength. If we were completely in our own strength, we would not last a day. We would fall over and fail. We need something to sustain us and empower us. And Paul takes us right here in verse 16 to this power. Have a look with me in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. There's the power that Paul's leading us to. This is the power that God wants to give in our lives to live this life. Here it is. What is the word of Christ as we think about that passage there? What's Paul referring to? Quite simply, it's the scriptures. It's God's word. It's the Bible. It's the true words of our sovereign creator who's given us life. Paul's saying, let God's word, let the word of Christ, let the scriptures, let the Bible dwell in you richly. What does it mean there to dwell? Because Paul uses that word dwell there. That word dwell there means residence. It's where you dwell. It's the place where you live. It's the place that you call home. It's the place where your life is based. Where you dwell is something where you reside, where you live. So for us to live out the life of Christ in gospel transformation here, we need to have the Bible, God's word, the word of Christ, the scriptures, finding its home in our lives, residing within us. The words of God, the word of God needs to live, needs to live in our very souls. The gospel, the word of Christ, needs to take up permanent residence here within our hearts. Needs to take up a place in us. In us, not outside of us, but in us. Now, Paul not only wants God's word living in us. But he also wants it happening in a very big way because he uses another word there. He says, let it dwell in you richly, richly. 
by richly, Paul means in abundance or a large amount. When we say somebody's rich, what do we say? We say they have a large amount of wealth or they have a large amount of money. When somebody's rich, we say they've got a large abundance of something. Paul's saying we want this to God, we want God's word to abundantly dwell in you. Not just dwell, but let it abundantly dwell in you. So it's an act of worship, and in living this new life in Christ, we need to be pouring in, as it were, God's word in abundance into our hearts. Pouring it in on a daily basis, reading God's word, thinking on God's word, reflecting on God's word, sitting back and applying God's word to our heart every day, letting it come in and fill up and reside within us. You might say, why God's word for this power, Paul? Why have you said that? Well, firstly, the Holy Spirit's inspired him to say that. But it's this. It's in God's word where he primarily reveals himself to us. It's here in the scriptures that God tells us who he is, how he thinks, how he acts, what his plans are, what his purposes are. It's here in the Bible that God shows himself to us. And it's here that the Holy Spirit takes this truth and begins to unveil it in our minds. And as this truth is unveiled in our minds, it grows faith, it grows hope, it grows strength. It grows all these things within us as we let God's word find residence within us in a rich and abundant way. That's why God, Paul uses God's word, because that's where we see God growing in us. You see, if we expect to experience the blessing of God in our lives through living this way, of putting on these character traits, then we need to be daily drinking in God's word. See, what's Paul doing with the Colossians right here? What's he doing? He's delivering God's word, isn't he? What are they doing? They're gathering around to hear God's word. The Colossians are feasting upon They're letting it take residence within them. They're letting their minds and their hearts be saturated in the truth of who God is. So their thinking will change. So their lives will change. They're allowing it to dwell within them richly. Can you say that today about your life? Are you letting God's word take up residence in your heart? Are you pouring it in daily? Can somebody say about you, I can see you are a gospel-focused person. I can see the word of God living out through your life. Can people say that about you? Can you say that about yourself? You see, often when I talk to people about their struggles and the trials they have in living this Christian life and they feel so powerless to do it, one of the first things I discover in those discussions and conversations is that they're not really letting God's Word take up residence in their lives. They're not reading God's Word daily. They're not feeding themselves upon the truth. They may give the Bible one small little room. It's a room that they'll really go into. It's a room that maybe is right at the back of their life and they've probably forgotten where that room is. And they lack power. They lack strength. And then they wonder why their life is so plagued with weakness. But you see, it's the opposite response when I see others who are facing extremely difficult circumstances and the challenges of life like we all do, but they face it with Christ-like gentle composure. I can see humility, I can see weakness, I can see patience, and I can see love and forgiveness working in really hard places in difficult times. 
And you know, as I talk to these people, what I see is this. I see a recognisable depth of God's Word living deeply within them. I see that they have this power, as it were, to overcome life. I see that their faith and hope are firmly anchored in the promises and the presence of God within. I can see these people holding on to the promises of God, and it's providing with great power to overcome the circumstances that they're facing and that they're going through. God's Word provides them with strength. You see, that's where their strength comes from. Daily, letting God's Word dwell in them richly. You see, in this passage here, Paul says in verse 16, Tell us here to, tells us here to teach one another God's Word. That's what we're doing today. We do this corporately right now. We open up God's Word and we explain it. We talk about applying it to our lives. We're sitting under God's Word to grow strong in Him. It's a great way we can do it corporately. Paul uses another word there, admonishing as well. What does admonishing mean? It means to warn. This is a very legitimate way to love people, is to warn them about certain things. I warned before there that we're not letting God's Word dwell richly within us. The warning is we'll be weak. We'll be powerless. That's a loving warning. Don't let it do that. I warn you of that. Not only can we do this corporately, there's another very powerful way we can teach each other the Bible as well. It's this. It's reading the Bible with each other. One person reading the Bible with another person. One-to-one Bible reading. I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you, if you genuinely commit yourself to meet up with a trusted friend, to read the Bible together, I'll guarantee that you'll both grow in your faith and you'll become stronger in the gospel as followers of Jesus because of gathering together and reading the Bible one with one. I'll guarantee that. Yep, sure. It takes a commitment and sacrifice of our time. It really does. To find half an hour every week to meet with a person, maybe uh, after work, before work, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, whenever, to make a time. I want to meet with you and let's, let's read together. Let's find out what we can do here. Let's, let's take a small passage. Let's think about it. Let's read it. Let's reflect on it. Let's meditate upon it. Let's pray about it with each other. Let's just do that over half an hour. I'll guarantee you, if you're willing to engage in it and to make that sacrifice, there'll be a massive payoff down the track in doing that, in growing in strength to live out this Christian life. Why don't you think right now, who could I do this with? Who could I read the Bible with? Maybe there's a name that's even dropping into your mind right now. That's somebody I could read the Bible with. Here's what I encourage you to do. Phone that person up today. Message that person today. Make a time and commit to that. Make a time and commit to that. It doesn't matter who you are, what age or stage of life you're at, whether you're busy or not so busy, whether you're crazy busy with a young family or whatever. It doesn't matter who you are. If you want this to happen, you'll make it happen. And I'll guarantee you, there'll be a massive payoff in your life, in growing in Christ as you read the Bible together one with one. Paul also says here, let God's word dwell richly in us through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. 
We do this at, at Exchange. We love it here at EC to sing the gospel. This is one of the things we are really missing at the moment is the corporate singing of the gospel. As I shared earlier on, I was singing with a group of believers just last Sunday. It was glorious. It was fantastic. We love to sing the gospel. We love to sing all various genres and styles of music. We love to sing hymns. We love to sing contemporary songs as well. We love to sing all aspects of music to worship God with the passions he's given to us. It's a really important ministry at Exchange. is the singing and worshipping ministry to sing the gospel, to let our hearts lift up, as it were, in the glories of Christ and the glories of Calvary. Okay, what sort of fruit do you think this Christ-filled, spirit-filled life would grow? What would have grown our lives if we committed to this? committed to seeing God's word dwell richly within us, to put on these character traits and allow them to work out. What sort of lives do you think and relationships we would have if we embarked down this path of putting on the life of Christ? What do you think we would see? I believe if we committed to this life with the Holy Spirit's power and the word of God dwelling richly within us, if we committed to this, our lives would be blessed immeasurably. Blessed by God immeasurably, we would know and experience the blessing of God upon us in every aspect of our relationships. Whether it be a marriage relationship, whether it be a family relationship, whether it be a work relationship, a friendship, wherever. If we committed to this life of letting God's word dwell richly within us in the power of the Holy Spirit and then making active decisions to live in this way, we will be blessed in every possible relationship that we are involved in. We would know and experience God's blessing in our life. We would experience God's blessing in life if we lived that way. Now, this doesn't mean a life without problems. Sure, the problems will still come. It's not That blessing doesn't mean all the problems go away. The blessing means this. The blessing means power now to overcome. Blessings mean the purpose of what life is about, and blessings mean also the perception of these life's difficulties around us. Power, purpose, and perception comes in that blessing. You see, to live like this really is the Spirit-filled life. This is the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within us, bringing the Word of Christ alive within us, and then to live out this new life. This is the Spirit-filled life. And this makes Jesus look awesome, truly awesome. You see, we live in a world that longs to live like this. They long to see this life themselves, but they can't. We see a whole world around about us suffering with division and breakdown across the whole strata of society through every relationship there's challenges. They want to live like this, but they can't. And maybe this is you. Maybe you've checked in for the first time at EC today online for our YouTube service. Welcome. So glad you'd be with us today. We love to have new people to be joining with us. Maybe this is what you want. Well, this is what we want for you. This life is all about Jesus. This life is all about the life he offers to us. And he offers it to us freely now if we will just trust in him and receive him as our Lord and Savior. You see, this is precisely the community we are trying to build here at Exchange. Living out the character of Christ. A community living like this makes the gospel look powerful and amazing when they see the life of Christ being lived out. A community living like this makes Jesus look awesome and glorious when we see the life of Christ being lived out through a community. You see, here at Exchange Church, 
Uh, we are on a mission. We are here to reach out to the thousands and thousands of people living around about us who do not yet know Jesus, who at this current point in time are on the road to hell. We want to introduce them to Jesus. We want to share with them the good news of the gospel so they too can be called from death to life, so they too can know this power that Jesus wants to give them to live out this life to reflect his glory into the world. We want them to know the forgiveness of the sins that Jesus offers. And I'm sure that as we're on this mission of connecting people to Jesus and growing people in Jesus, as we put on this character of Christ, I'm absolutely convinced that this will make the gospel look very, very attractive. There'll be something magnetic about that. We want what you've got. You've got this power to live in such a way that shows meekness and patience and kindness and forbearance and compassionate hearts. How do you do this? I'm sure as we live that out, this will provide opportunities for us to talk about Jesus, to share the good news of Christ so that people can find uh, forgiveness for their sins and they can find a joyful, glorious relationship with Jesus as we live that out. This is the life that Jesus calls us to. This is the life that Jesus gives us the power for by his spirit and by his word. And I'm inviting you into that very same life today. Let's pray. Father, what a glorious thing it is we can come now and gather around you. What a beautiful thing you've done for us, Lord. What an immeasurable thing you've done for us. You've sent your one and only son to die on the cross to pay the price of our sins so that we can be fully forgiven, saved, that we can now be called God's chosen ones, God's beloved, the holy ones. And from this foundational, we can live a life, a new life in Christ, a life now of compassionate hearts, a life of kindness, a life of meekness, a life of patience, a life of humility. What a glorious life you've called us to. Father, I pray, please help us to live that life today. Please help us to do this with joy. Please help us to do this with enthusiasm and excitement. Please help us to overcome the challenge of, of the life we face, Lord. To take this power into those challenges and to live out the life you've called us to. And we ask and we pray, Lord, let it be attractive. Please let it be attractive so people are drawn to you through the life that we now live. Lord, help us to grow this life by reading the Bible with each other one to one. Please help us now, Lord, to think of somebody and to make that phone call today to begin to engage with reading the Bible together so we can grow and let the word of Christ dwell richly within us. Please, Lord, I ask that. Father, today we thank you and we praise you. Uh, for this passage of scripture and for the life you've given us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, guys, for joining with us today here at Exchange. Uh, you'll see an email address there on the bottom of the screen, info at exchangechurch.org.au. Uh, if you're connecting for the first time, please drop us a line on the email. We would love to connect with you. We welcome new people to come to Exchange. We'd love to hear your story and to hear about your life. So please connect with us there, and we would love to come back to you and uh, make that uh, relationship with you. Guys, we're going to close now with a song. So uh, please uh, stay with us as we sing this last song, and uh, bless you all now. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people to Exchange Church in person, 
so consider yourself invited to be with us.